What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Rapture Radio. I'm Pastor Stuart Amadon from Christchurch Opelousas. With me, as always, is Pastor Brandon Neely, the lead pastor of Christchurch, the bishop, as we could say. There mm. you go. I like it. King James. The presbyter. Is that, is that too much? <laughs> it's biblical. It works out. Today, we're going to be talking, uh, continuing to talk about uh, the end times here um, like we've been talking about for several different episodes, this time we're going to be talking about the revelation of the sons of God. And I got to admit, I don't, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, well, I'll have to bring you along with us. I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm it's ready to going jump to be in. a journey. Ooh, is it safe? An adventure. Mm, I'm it is not safe. Is there something else I can help with? Oh, excuse me, my Siri. Wow. Watch clicked in. Somehow interpreted that I was talking to it. It sounded demonic. <laughs> there, Welcome, Siri, to the conversation. Welcome, Siri. Good to see you. Yeah, today we're talking about the revelation of the sons of God. I like it. I like it. So it what, is uh, pretty intense. It is um, difficult. I noticed today there was a lot of notes. A lot of notes. Folks <laughs> going to have to put their thinking caps on. A lot of notes. <laughs> That's right. But we're in Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Okay. Got it. This is not a uh, Rapture Radio episode for folks that want casual entertainment, mm. as our usual episodes are, engaging, enrapturing. <laughs> Today is going to be for people who really want to hear the arguments, they really want to be convinced in their mind, and it's important, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 14, let everyone be convinced in their own mind. Mm. Faith is rational. You gotta think about it. Yeah, you gotta sometimes, think about it. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta do a little work. You got to put your your thinking caps on, as your kindergarten mm-hmm. teachers. You want to be truly persuaded of these things, so that you can believe all the promises of God. Mm. In in other words, we are teaching the eschatological position of postmillennialism mm. on here this Rapture Radio, mm. but we do not wish to compel anyone with our personality. Even though you know your personality is very compelling. Well, look who's talking. <laughs> We want people to be persuaded with the arguments, with the text of Scripture. Mm. If it's not of faith, then it's sin. And so we want people to be persuaded by the Scriptures. Like I said, faith is rational. It comes to understand something mentally and also spiritually. Amen. And we want them to be persuaded by the text of Scripture. So we're going to dig into it. I think this is one of the key texts. Mm -hmm. Um, The key text is in Isaiah, but we're going to bridge into Isaiah starting in Romans chapter 8. Okay. Paul here's here talking about the dawning of the new creation. Okay. He's talking about the effects of the gospel on the creation. Okay. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse 19. For the creation, that is nature, waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Ooh. There is an earnest expectation of the entire creation. Why? For the creation was subjected to futility. Mm. That is... Vanity, okay. as the book of Ecclesiastes refers to it, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Yeah. It means um, really what happens to the world when death is applied, okay. futility, um, meaninglessness, yeah. uh, but much more than that. Nothing really culminates. Yeah, with, with death, things are just simply futile, okay. but, um, and the creation is subjected to that, but the creation is waiting, waiting for something, with okay. eager anticipation. For what? Well, because they were subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free. So the creative order, the creation order, okay. 
the realm over which man has been placed mm -hmm. is itself, and this is sort of a personification of the creation. Okay. Okay. The creation doesn't have a, a will of its own. It has been subjected by God, and yet it itself is waiting for something. Okay. It's waiting to be set free from its bondage to corruption or death. Okay. Which is another way of saying it's bondage to futility or vanity. Or Abel is actually the word, which is interesting because Abel was murdered. It's well, death. All right. All right. So um, don't want to get off track here, but the creation has been in bondage because of death and through death. Okay. There's a curse on it, but it is waiting to be set free from that bondage and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Ooh. Now, we know from Romans chapter 8 that the children of God are Christians. Okay. They're the ones who have the Spirit of God. And we know that they are being glorified and shall be one day utterly glorified when they share in the glory of Christ, Okay. when they obtain that final inheritance of glory at the last day. Okay? Okay. So, in other words, as goes man, so goes the creation. Makes sense. When man is glorified, the creation will be glorified. When man is saved, the creation will be saved. But the question is, as man is sanctified, is the creation sanctified? If there is any societal sanctification as a whole, mm -hmm. if Christianity spreads and, and Christian culture permeates, mm -hmm. will that have any sanctifying, freeing effects on the creation as, it's, as it stands? Okay. Will, for example, people live longer? Hmm. Will they have more victory over disease and, and over death and cancer and decay and... Will they have giant strawberries that are, you know, unimaginable to, to most folks? But these days, you can go and see them at the store. They're bigger than baseballs. Whoa. I mean, will there be any freedom of the creation as it pertains to the, to the continual sanctification of the children of God and the permeation of the gospel throughout all the world? So that's, that's the whole debate here, okay? Okay. So verse 22, let me wrap it up. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth, okay? You see that there? Got it. Now, what are the pains of childbirth? The thorns and thistles? Yeah, but let's... let's not so theological. Oh, okay. Like, literally... Okay. Literally. A woman is giving birth. Okay. She is in pain. Right. Do you have pain before or after the baby comes out? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the pains, or as Matthew 24 refers to them, the pangs of childbirth are those contractions which immediately precede the emergence of the new birth of the baby. Okay. 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 So Paul is saying, he's writing in the first century, and he's saying the creation has been groaning, past tense, together, the whole creation, all right, in the pains of childbirth until... Ooh. Until, until when? Until now. Until now. Until later. Until after... Until now. <laughs> mm -mm. Interessante. <laughs> now, of course, we didn't just, you know, slay the uh, shibboleth of pessimillennialism in one verse. Pessimillennialism. Right? Um, we've that. got work to do, but that is fascinating to me. Mm. Yeah. No, Why right. would he use a word which is translated the present time? Okay. Well... In Matthew chapter 24, verse 8, we see Jesus using the same metaphor. He's giving the signs of what will be the destruction of Jerusalem mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And I think almost anyone who reads this honestly has to see that he's talking about the destruction of the temple, okay. the destruction of the old order, the Jewish epoch, the okay. destruction of the priesthood, the sacrifices. He says the soldiers will come and they will level this temple. In Luke, he says, when the soldiers surround the city, you know that the end is nigh. He says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars and nations turning against nations and and uh, you know the Bible passage. Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm, says, now mm-hmm. these are all just the start of the birth pangs, Matthew 24, verse 8. Okay. See, the same expression is used by Matthew of this period of time where there's contractions. Okay. But okay. contractions lead to new birth, mm-hmm. to, as Paul says in our passage in Romans 8, new creation. You see, what is happening? I do believe that Paul has in his mind, and Jesus in Matthew 24 has in his mind, the old order is... Is contracting. Okay. You okay. know the time is at hand. Okay. The old wineskins are are being stretched to their to their limit. Okay. And soon there's going to be a birth. Jesus called it when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration the regeneration of all things. The regeneration. That's the technical term for the rebirth. Okay. The regeneration. Okay. Okay. Jesus was awaiting the rebirth of all things. Okay. Now, what do we call using other te- uh, other terminology? What do we call this new birth of the whole order? We call it the new creation. Okay. Right? Okay. Have, have you been able to follow all of that? I'm, I'm working. I'm working. I think, <laughs> I, I think I'm tracking with you. So there is a period of time, as spoken of in Matthew 24, verse 8. Okay. All of Matthew 24, or nearly all of it. Paul also speaks of this period of time of childbirth pangs, okay. contractions. And he says in Romans chapter 8, until now. Jesus says these signs are going to be the beginning of birth pains. You won't know the end is near until, as he says in Luke chapter 11, if I remember correctly, the armies surround Jerusalem. Like, you have to study Matthew 24. Mm-hmm. You have to study the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and in the Gospel of Luke. You have to see where these contractions are leading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you fit this into the rest of Scripture, you see that the contractions are leading up to the dawning of the new creation. Okay. okay. The new temple. The new Jerusalem, the new order, the new wineskins. See, and every time that you say the new creation, my mind intuitively jumps to the new heavens and the new earth. But we're talking about something before that, right? Hold that thought, because this is great. Okay, Okay. yes, we are talking about the new heavens and the new earth. Okay, okay. But we think, the way we think, because we've been programmed by dispensational premillennialism, all right, and literal Bible interpretation, which is too literal and not literary, Okay. We've been programmed to think the new heavens and new earth mean something that happens after all this is burned up and, and melted away and judged in the future sometime. Okay, okay. Okay? I got it. But new heavens and new earth is an expression that's used throughout the scripture. At the destruction of Jerusalem, the coming of the flood, it is the uh, apocalyptic literature for the dawning of a new epoch, right? Okay. The okay. dawning of something new. Jesus even refers to the old order of being, you know, the sun's going to be blotted out and the moon's going to turn to blood. This is all apocalyptic mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. literature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, now why would they use this this sort of language in the in the in the uh, New Testament? It's because the prophets use the very same language in the Old Testament. Okay, all right. So let's go there, and this is going to seal the deal for you. Isaiah chapter sixty-five. All right, I'm ready. Starting in verse seventeen. For behold. I create new heavens and new earth. What? Okay. You got it. I got it. I see it. It's there. That's the new creation. Got it. What I'm saying is that that is what is born Mm -hmm. from the birth pangs. 
That is the okay. new wine. Oh, dang. Okay. And, okay, and it's okay. not just an individual being Christian or being a born again, but it is the regeneration of all things, as Jesus says on the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay. It is okay. the dawning of the new creation order. Okay. Okay. Now, we're not talking about the ultimate consummation of all things. We're not talking about the glorification of creation. Okay. We're not right. talking about the last day when Jesus judges all man, the final revelation. Mm-hmm. We're not talking no about the final apocalypse. Death. Yeah, we're not talking about that. We're not, we are talking about a gradual revelation of the sons of God. Okay. We are talking about the uh, gradual progress and sanctification, not only of the children of men, but as society as a whole, and even nature as a whole, saying that they are all interrelated. Okay. Okay? Okay. Now, so let me just put it to you this way. You've heard the expression, already but not yet. Yep. Lots right? of times. Um, as much as I, I, I love that expression, because mm-hmm. it's true, yes, Jesus has changed things already. But not yet. Is the devil defeated? Yes, but not yet. Already, but not yet. Right. Is death defeated? Already, but not yet. That's right. Okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. But that is almost like a refusal to engage in the actual debate. Mm. No one disagrees with the fact that it is already and not yet. Have you been saved? And being saved. And will be saved. So you've already been saved. And I've been saved. But have you been saved to the uttermost? Nope. So you have been saved already, but not yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you see, now, the debate is about the middle part. Okay. The debate is about the time between the already and the not yet. Okay. The debate is about what to expect within human history. Okay. okay. That is what the phrase already, but not yet, refuses to acknowledge. Okay. It's almost like a sidestep. It's almost like a 